Listener Production. I acknowledge the lands and waters of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to their ancestors past and elders present. I acknowledge that the First Nations across the continent have never ceded sovereignty and that the First Nations are the first lawmakers. Welcome back, sadly, to the final episode of Black Matters for 2023. It's a a bittersweet session this afternoon, but we're excited to be here. A podcast that talks about First Nations matters and, importantly, why they matter. My name is MC from the Hit Radio Network and literally sitting across from me, it's so, I know I know that podcasting is an audio medium, but we're sitting in one of the flashy studios today and we are literally, we are, what, 60 centimetres away from each other? Actually. It's, it's so weird. I'm just glad I put yeah. deodorant on. Your hair is almost touching my face. It's that it's close. It's so strange. Sitting literally opposite me in the studio this afternoon, one Wonderful friend, it says this on the run sheet, so I am contractually obliged to say it. Wonderful friend, senior lawyer, proud Wiradjuri and Wawan woman, Teela Reid. It's it's lovely to see you so close in high definition, face to face. It's so good to be here. I just love being in the studio with you. It's nice. It's nice. Um, what, what What is not so nice is that sadly, as I said, this is our final episode of, of 2023. I can't believe it. What are they Time flies when you're having fun. That's the saying, right? From when we first started to like talk hey. about this idea hey. back home in Gilgandra hey. and couple of, bouncing couple of the idea around. Text messages with me, getting the train home after a couple of sherbets, going, nah, should we? And then me <laughs> lazily not doing anything about it for a good 12 months. But here we are. We are here at the end of 2023. Now, as people head into school holidays, Christmas holidays, people typically have a bit of time off, a bit of downtime at this point of the year. And how do you feel? some downtime with a good book. So what we thought we'd do to round out the year on Black Matters is to give you some suggestions from First Nations authors and First Nations reading material from an organisation called Blackfella Book Club. And you're probably thinking, great, have you got an expert here to talk about Blackfella Book Club? That sounds incredible. Unsurprisingly, my co-host, one of the many millions of things she somehow seems to fit into her week is one of the co-creators of Blackfella Book Club. Yeah. So... Firstly, before we get to some recommendations, tell us about it. Where did it come from? How did it begin? What is Blackfella Book Club? I am so glad you asked. Blackfella Book Club, it was really born in the pandemic with me and my co-creator, co-founder, Miranda Dutton. She's a Gumbangi and Barkindji lawyer as well. When we all went into lockdown, her and I just were like, well, we kind of were already doing book club as you do. Do you are you part of a book club, Michael? I <laughs> I have not read a book. That I don't didn't even think you read any school since. No, sorry, I read a book in year ten at high school, and then I read Gone Girl when that came out, and oh that was God. because we were doing something on the radio at the time, and I felt that I had to. Other than that, lots of comic books. But haven't read. Yeah, you are the comic guy. Haven't read a grown-up book. The last book I bought, though, <laughs> you're gonna think I'm the coolest. I mean, I I know you know that I'm the coolest guy that you know. But I bought a book about Norse mythology, and about the ancient, <laughs> ancient um Nordic gods. Look, I thought given that you uh, also brought a baby into the world this year, it was going to be more baby related. Um, so excited to meet her. I did actually get her a book. I know we're going off topic and none of these suggestions <laughs> will be in Blackfellow Book Club. I, you can buy like um, 
tailored books and you can mm-hmm. add in your kid's name and you pick the illustration that looks most like your kid. So I, it turned up in the post yesterday, Ava's first Christmas. Oh, you can still do that? Yeah, you can do that, yeah. Oh, I remember that because, like, my name, you could never get it anywhere. So, you Mm. know, you could probably see, like, around different stores, like, you know, for example, when you went to Dubbo and and stuff stuff, like that back in the day, there could be things with names with Michael on it. There was never anything with Teela on it. We're getting the eye roll from our producer going, guys, this is not what the episode's about. But one of my first books is the same as Ava's, which was Welcome to Teela's Christmas. Yes, I remember it now. You triggered such an important yeah. memory, especially this time of year. And I didn't tell my wife that I was getting it, but because she's so much better with words than I am, I just out of the blue without context said, hey, if you could like write a nice Christmas message to our daughter, what would it be? She's like, what for? No, 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 it doesn't matter. So she actually wrote the nice part and I just took the credit for it and the book arrived yesterday. Oh, that's oh. so cool. All right, Black Fuller Book Club. It Black started in the Club. pandemic. It started in the pandemic and really... We were already doing Zoom book clubs um, in isolation. And so one day I just woke up and I was like, I should check if at Blackfella Book Club is a handle available on Instagram. And it was. And then there it was just, it started from there. And so Marinda and I both had access to the handle. And then we essentially were just sharing the stories that we were reading and embracing because we felt there was a real disconnect from our communities. We were both locked down in different cities Mm -hmm. off our traditional country. And so sharing books and getting online and talking, but it's not your typical book club. It's not just about books. It's about First Nations stories and how we tell stories. Well, so much about First Nations history is oral history, not written down history. So I guess that would make complete sense. And why is telling and why sharing First Nations stories in book form um, through something like this so important? Because I think, you know, it really cuts to the heart of telling stories in our way, Mm -hmm. uh, in a way within which people can embrace and tell their truth through their story and not have it be in a particular format or way. And I don't know. And I think as well, part of the love for Blackfella Book Club is that both Marinda and I have very different interests in storytelling. It's a whole range of so books we embrace and a whole range of stories. And we have international followers. We have First Nations peoples from around the globe that love Blackfella Book Club and send us out their books as well, particularly North America. <laughs> and so yeah, it's just grown. And I think the demand for it has also essentially come not just from First Nations storytellers first and foremost gifting us the privilege of sharing their stories, their books or whatever form that might be, whether it's written, theatre, oral story, artwork. A lot of non-Indigenous people have come to the platform feeling like they have never had a real opportunity to embrace First Nations stories that combination of the power of being part of the First Nations community and treating stories with integrity and respect and letting them go out into the universe in their own way has attracted an entire audience and now a community of non-Indigenous people who also love and embrace the platform. And I guess it's a really important resource because for most people without something like this, they wouldn't be aware of any kind of literature that comes from First Nations people outside of, you know, for example, Dreamtime stories that you yeah. like when you're in primary school and high school. And in when you did 
learn them in school, we got taught them, I think, in a way which was very confronting as a First Nations person as well. So, for example, the Dreamtime stories, oh, they're just myths, it's not real. It was like fairy tales, the rainbow serpent, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's our truth. It's Mm. our way of creation. It's how the universe became to be. It was how we have always existed since time immemorial. And I think the value, particularly in Western systems, that oral stories particularly or those written by First Nations peoples was never really valued as much as Western forms of writing and literature. And is that why, you know, something like this community is so important because a lot of these stories are rewriting wrongs or setting record straights or just telling actual stories and how things really happened from lived experience as opposed to these fairy tale, almost faraway land tales that we were taught in school. Yeah, and we only share those stories told and written or produced by First Nations people because you also get, particularly, I guess, within the first year or two, the platform grew enormously. You know, it's up to nearly 45,000 followers now without any yeah, investment. Wow. We have no sponsorship, nothing at all. Just organically grew and in the beginning, we did have non-Indigenous people coming to us going, we've I've written this book about this Black person. Could you please share it? We're like, no, it's against our ethics yep. and our moral. We are not sharing stories produced by non-Indigenous people about Indigenous people. This is a platform only for those stories told about us, for us, by us. This might be a technical writing question, but you mentioned that First Nations people tell their stories differently. They, they do it in a different way to, to quote-unquote conventional storytelling and writing. How do they differ? So I think a lot of Western ways of writing are often told to be in a particular category. Mm-hmm. For example, it's in a genre, whether it's nonfiction, fiction, science fiction, whatever. And I think what I have always known and what we do know as First Nations people is there's no real boundary around our storytelling. So, for example, futurism, that kind of, which Marinda is much more into than I am, but this kind of notion of imagining and these kinds of books that we get sent to us, this is probably particularly more prominent in the Northern Hemisphere, so North America as well. However, there are certainly incredible First Nations writers with collections in this space, but it doesn't, you know, there's no real definition between, I would say, an Indigenous community between fiction and nonfiction. It is often truth and how we just, even for example, it's kind of hard to explain in English terms as well because Our imaginings aren't just fiction. They also form part of our truth for the future. But the beauty of this is now it's becoming so much more accessible Mm -hmm. and people that might not have ever had the opportunity to either tell their story or read someone's story, like that's now happening more and more and more. Yeah, and like over 25 years ago, two amazing writers, Arnie Jackie Huggins and... Arnie Eileen Morton Robinson, who are both based in Queensland, had written incredible pieces of work, essentially based on their dissertations and about black feminism, Indigenous feminism, 
over two decades ago. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time... Would have been unheard of. Yeah. What they, do you mean? Yeah. Huh? And so they published these books and hardly got any traction yep. back in that day. As Arnie Eileen will say, she got a lot more, I guess, traction in North America because the the industry was much more progressed. What do you mean? Parts of the world are ahead on this stuff than Australia? I don't know what you mean. Couldn't happen. And then Arnie Jackie Huggins republished her book 20 years later and it just went berserk in terms of purchasing, publishing, um, and demand. And it's just, yeah, it's it's a strange thing, I think. We'll get to some suggestions in just a second, but it must be a really great feeling and, you know, reinforce why you're doing this thing, where where you come across this book, potentially from a relatively unknown author that might not have the audience, that mm-hmm. might not have the means to get their story out there. You feature their story through yeah. Blackfella Book Club and then this book or this story starts to take off and all these people are paying attention. That must feel really good because I'm sure that has happened a bunch of times. Yeah, it actually has happened. And our rule is that we will not post unless we've read and engaged with the book. Mm-hmm. And so we get a lot of like requests to, can we send you our book to post? Therefore, it's kind of a platform for that publishing house or author. But that adds to the genuineness of the way in which we engage with the Blackfellow Book Club community as well. We're not going to write a review or pitch to that community uh, a piece of work that we ourselves haven't genuinely engaged in. So we have rejected sponsorship or offers to post for payment yeah. because it just doesn't feel right to us. About. It's not what we're about. We're not there to to kind of make money off First Nations writers, but we want those Trying people... Trying to make money for the First Nations writers. ...and to expose the works that we genuinely connect with. Now, I'm sure, you know listening, you're going, righto, shut up, stop talking. I want to know. I want to know some books. I want to I want to get stuck into some stuff over my Chrissy holidays because I love a good book. Have we got a couple of recommendations? If, but we if could you're ever out. in the Northern Rivers as well on Bundjalung Country. Timber? Is that the name Timber, of the, the place in Lismore? Yeah, yeah, is our friends who are, we have co-created us in real life space up there, a library um, of just First Nations books based on Blackfellow Book Club and other donations from community members as well because I genuinely and highly recommend people also go back and read some of those books that were published years ago mm-hmm. but haven't really had the platform They never recently. had a Blackfella book club to no. shine a light on them. And it's been such a great combination, like a community space, like a third space for people to come in, grab their coffee, and the coffee is amazing, by the way. Ethically and sustainably sourced from Papua New Guinea. Our friends are from there um, and make the best coffee in the Northern Rivers. That is not even being biased. It's just being honest. And we created a library of Blackfellow Book Club, and you can read our story, uh, but also any of the books and engage in that space. All right, let's get into it. And it turned one year this week. Happy birthday. Thank you. To you. (laughs) So this year, I know it's been like I am a nonfiction. I'm I'm inclined to read nonfiction. So you've never read like Lord of the Rings, that kind of stuff? (sighs) No, I can't. You and I are so different. I know. But But I did read comics back in the day. As well. So, who's the best superhero? There is I a, there am is named a... out of a comic strip. Yeah. Taylor is 
a name out of a comic strip. He-Man and Teela. Yes. Were you named after that? I was named out of a comic strip. Because it was so... Because growing (laughs) up in in the country town that we grew up in of about 3,000 people, there were two Teelas. Uh-huh. Two Teelas. But I'd never, ever come across Teela in my life other than He-Man's... Offside of Teela. So you were named after I was actually- named after her. That's exciting. Yeah, Teela the warrior that rides a unicorn. Okay. I was gonna say Spider-Man is the superior superhero, <laughs> but but for right now we can we can go with Teela. Yeah. Um look, this year I genuinely enjoyed reading The Queen is Dead by Stan Grant. A friend um, of the podcast, Stan. A Grant. friend of the podcast. And, you know, I'm not even just saying it for the fun of it. It is such a great book because it just takes you into multiple, uh, I guess, centuries and brings you still back to this very day um, after the Queen died, how Australia reacted to that, how our current and present moments are still so intertwined with that colonial monarch history. But he weaves in stories about the First Nations community, in particular his own, for example, you know, opens the book where his mum lived in Coonabarabin back in the day, not far from our hometown, and the Queen had actually gone to Dubbo on one of her visits. I remember meeting the Queen on a Dubbo visit. Yeah, so on one of them, back then, his mum didn't have any socks, so she wasn't allowed to go to visit the Queen because she needed to be presentable unless she found some socks. Right. And just like these little stories of survival of these different worlds interacting with each other at different moments in time, I just think he tells the story so beautifully, so honestly, and so heartbreakingly. Mm. And in a way within which you're not just confined to the lens of Australia, you're taken back into different centuries to be able to understand the present moment. I mean, because it's a complicated relationship that First Nations people have with the monarchy for obvious reasons. Yeah, I just loved it. It just made me... It, it unsettled me in many ways, but it made me feel seen as well in a world where I feel like I particularly as a black woman who so happens to have multiple degrees, who, you know, you're living in all of these different worlds, still have a family almost living in a different world, us doing our day jobs in the middle of the city. So it just kind of brought together all of those different feelings. And if Stan writes the way that Stan speaks, as we've had him on this podcast and I said to him, like I've never heard anyone more eloquent Mm. than Stan Grant. So I can only imagine what his writing is like. So that's Book number one, The Queen is Dead. Yes. The second book would be Living on Stolen Land by Amberlane Quaymanella. It actually is one of those books I have on my bookshelf and I go back and forwards to. Mm -hmm. It's like a verse book. It's very digestible. It's very easy to read. It talks about all of these things we've spoken about actually on this podcast, like notions of time, sovereignty, earth, living, you know, in this kind of crazy universe and bringing together all of those different big issues into very simple language. Like I think if you're a teacher who's listening, and I know lots do and lots come to our podcast and lots actually come to Black Father Book Club inboxing us for resources 
I would say, especially as someone who has a teaching degree, that book is a book that is a fantastic resource that adults and I would say junior high school would be really good to engage with. So a great way that really simplifies often quite complex issues if you're looking to arm yourself with a little bit. It's a shame that the country didn't read that book leading up to a you know certain certain referendum yeah. or something that would have, that would have been good wouldn't it <sighs> Next time I on. love all of Ujuru's work as well Ujuru Nunaku who um, you know also known as Kath Walker basically the first first nations poet mm-hmm. to be published and poetry was something that I started to embrace this year where I felt like there was no other language to express what I was going through or what I observed our community going through, um, having published my own first public-facing poem this year. Ujuru's work is like work published way before its time. Yeah, and she was also a campaigner and advocate from Minjeraba, so Stradbroke Island. Tells lots of these kinds of. I guess she was talking about things that we are we're often afraid to talk about today, which is like. Racism, saying yep. those words, like she just was so fearless and gentle at the same time in her writing, in her poetry. And we could, I mean, we could sit here and get 900 million suggestions because I'm sure there are that many. Do you have a children's book? Oh as, my as a brand gosh. new dad, is there, is there a kid's book that you could recommend? And these, by the way, could all be wonderful stocking stuffers. If you're mm-hmm. looking for last minute Chrissy presents, these could be the things for you. So if you've got a little one, there is genuinely so many amazing Indigenous children's stories. I can like, imagine how wonderfully they'd be please, illustrated Please, I well. would first and foremost say go to at Blackfella Book Club on Instagram because even as an adult, the children's books are so great to sit down with the kids and even reflect and learn something as an adult. I would say one book that has to be on every child's bookshelf would be Daybreak mm-hmm. by Dr. Amy McGuire, who we had on recently as well. She tells the story of how and it, it's written in a fiction way, but it's about a truthful issue, which is the invasion of Australia and um, how you can talk to your children about Invasion Day, Survival Day, Australia Day, which is very timely. So if you have the chance to get it between now and Christmas, it's going to be a great book to sit down with your kids and read over summer in preparation for, I feel like, oh. Don't do it. Don't take us there. Let's finish on a... We're going to finish on a high note. (laughs) Look, there are, as you said, so many genres, so many different books, so many amazing resources. But I would say one for a very newborn. Okay. All right. Um, which it'll be perfect for your family. It's called Welcome Child by Sally Morgan, who is actually a very well-known First Nations writer, was one of those writers that was out publishing before this industry, I think, really got traction of mm-hmm. the importance of First Nations stories. Amazing. It's like one of those thick, thicker books as well for kids to have on their bookshelf, and that's for a much newer born. But it's about welcoming your child to this world, which is a beautiful thing to sit down and tell stories to them about. Like, I have had so many friends. I know one friend in particular who literally read to her child from the 
day the child was born forever. And this child now is honestly a genius. It works, guys. Like, read to your children. Hey, what an educational podcast. Who would have thought you'd come to Black Matters and get parenting advice? But this is the podcast that covers them all. All right. At Blackfella underscore book club. That's where you need to go. That's where everything is. Incredible suggestions, incredible resources. And can I give leave one more suggestion? Go which on, is it's my your podcast after all. I guess book so. Of the whole time that we have had at Blackfella Book Club uh, and been sharing reviews and stories. One, it would honestly be top two for me. It's called After Story by Professor Larissa Brandt. It's a fiction book, mm-hmm. uh, but it is incredible. It's about a First Nations lawyer and her mother who they both had different opportunities in life. The young daughter got to go to university and become a lawyer. The mum didn't have the same opportunities, but they go on this incredible trip of Europe and learn about all of the Western literature from back in the day. And they get on this like tour with like Americans and people from around the world. And I just think it is an amazing way to understand. I would say this was the book that cemented Larissa as one of the dominant forces in First Nations storytelling, where you get this powerful relationship between the oral storytelling Mm -hmm and the Western literature. Right, if you're a book reader, you've got no excuses now. At Blackfella underscore book club on Instagram, you'll find these suggestions and so many more. Guys. I could keep suggesting. We've come to, we're getting the wind up. Uh, come back to, come come check it out because we have so many more stories and books. And also, if you are not necessarily a book person, I highly recommend checking all of the theatre companies. I love going to the theatre and I think it's a great way to embrace First Nations storytelling. Now, here at Black Matters, we obviously believe language matters, both through First Nations storytelling, but we like to leave every episode. And sadly, <gasps> this is the final time that we get to finish an episode for the year with a First Nations word. So this is, this is I mean, no pressure or anything, but this, this is a big one. This is the last one for the year. What are we finishing up with? What's our First Nations word? We'll finish up with the word Nurembang, which means country. Nurembang. So we are from Wiradjuri, Nurembang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are now on Gadigal, Nurembang. And I think it's a good thing for people to reflect on over the summer what Nurembang they are on. And obviously, while you're reflecting, check out some of these book suggestions we're giving this weekend. And if you if you get lonely, just go back and re-listen to every single episode of Black Matters. Oh, we would love that. Review, awesome. tag us. Tell all your mates, tell everyone, tell your enemies, get as many listens as possible so they've got no choice but to but have to us back, back next year. Yeah. It has been a real honour and a real pleasure sharing this space with you every week. When this began as just a stupid idea over a couple of bevies after a NAIDOC Week <laughs> Awards in our hometown, sitting around the table, to think that we've got to this point where we have been here each and every week telling these important stories, meeting incredible people, none more incredible than you. It's been the most amazing experience and I've certainly grown and learnt a lot and it's been it's been awesome. And I don't think we've had a serious fight, which is the most impressive thing I think so far. I don't think we've had like a really serious... <laughs> Not on air. 
sw- swearing no. match. Off air, absolutely. <laughs> Where's Teela? I'm on She's Corey time. Again. I'm on Teela time. But no, in all seriousness, it's been it's been a wonderful year, and and thank you for sharing this space and these conversations Absolutely. with me and our listeners. Who and it's been so good to see you become a dad. Yeah. Yay. What a big year. Scary, what a big right? way to end it on. So guys, go back and check out all of the episodes of Black Matters. Keep listening. Keep sharing with your mates and, and we'll see you scare. This is weird to say it. We'll see you in 2024. Oh my gosh. Can I finish? Can I, can I do it? You can do it. Yalo. Yalo.